Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come. Open your Bibles real quickly, please, to the book of Psalms, chapter 1. Psalms, chapter 1. You enjoy this morning with PT. That was really good word, man. Yeah, amen. Psalms, chapter 1. Now, watch this. There's many books in this chapter. There's actually 66 books in our canon of the Bible. There are actually 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a major prophet, one of the major prophets. He prophesied the Lord Jesus 400 years before Jesus came on the scene. And so David wrote a lot of the Psalms. And one of the things that was very interesting in Psalms chapter 1 kind of gives you precedent on other other Psalms. So this is what he says here out of the Passion Translation of the Bible. He said, what delight comes to one who follows God's ways? I can totally testify that. If I always follow my way, I always end up in trouble. Miserable, broke, busted, disgusted, and not happy. But if I always follow God's ways of doing and being right, it seems to always work out for me. You know, there'll be a day in your life when it's, it's almost like you get sick and tired of things not working out. And you, when you realize that you've been really doing it your way. I mean, I used to, we used to have that philosophy. If it was to be, it was up to me. That's one of the things that we had to overcome. Because, see, I grew up very poor. I mean, we were on food stamps. My mother worked two jobs. She put three, three kids. We lived in HUD housing. So I know, what it's, I know what it's like on Christmas morning not to have any. For the longest time in our marriage, Christmas was really, really bad for me. I would get depressed and all that kind of stuff because all I ever knew was nothing. You know, I never got anything. You know, my dad didn't really participate. My dad doesn't really participate in my life now. Marie's dad's more my dad than my real dad. Yeah. So when you follow God's ways of doing and being right, things work out for you much better. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked. That's a cool thing. Not share in the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of, I am. I am that I am. I am more than able to pull you out of the miry muck and clay and set you on the feet. I am more than able to pull you out of debt. I am more than able to heal your body. He's the I am that I am. Meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. We know that John 1 says, in the, you know, God became light. Jesus became light and the light became flesh. And the light dwelt among us, right? And the light of men was life because there's life in the light. Amen. And light's in you, so therefore it's life. Amen. And light shines into the darkness, and the darkness never put it out. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree. That is, what does that mean? That means when the wind's blowing and the waves are crashing, and everything else is sinking stand, you're standing on the solid rock. That means your branches won't break. Amen. Planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of his life. He will never dry, never fainting. He is never dry and never fainting. Ever heard of people being you know, just kind of dried up? I guess you want to put it in modern days terms, burnout. 
Oh, come on, hello, somebody. You will never burn out when your ways are God's ways. I don't understand. I, I have been in the ministry for 23 years, been to more than 14 different countries, stood on platforms of the world, met presidents of nations and congressmen and mayors and things like that. I know Mayor Lot here personally. His wife died, Lady Di. I, don't, I got news for you. I have never been burned out in ministry, ever. Do I look burned out to you? Never have been burned out. Why? Because I know how to drink. And I know how to fill myself. Charles Finney said something very interesting. How many know who Charles Finney is? How many don't know who Charles Finney is? Charles Finney was a lawyer turned preacher, one of the greatest revivalists in the United States of America back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, right around that period of time, or 1700s, I guess. And one of the things he said this, he said, it seems that preachers and the body of Christ need to be broken down about every 8 to 12 weeks because of the pull of the world. And he said, if preachers can learn to break themselves down, how much of a result would be through the body of Christ? Because as the preachers are, so the people will be. I would tell Pastor Marie, she'd tell me all the time, she said, honey, you're always telling people, drink from the river of God, drink from the spirit of God, drink, drink, drink. Have you ever heard a preacher say, drink from the river of God, drink from the spirit of God? Well, she's probably like, babe, most people want to know how to drink, but maybe they just don't know how. So I got to study in some scriptures. Imagine that, studying the scriptures. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, Be not drunk with wine to words in excess, but rather be be being filled with the Spirit. Watch this. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. But this is what's happened with people. They've stopped making melody in their heart to the Lord. They've stopped, they've stopped praying in the Holy Ghost. They've stopped singing songs of praise and worship. Because praise and worship, the Bible says that the, the joy, where the presence of the Lord is, there's fullness of joy. We, we, play, we play worship music in our house 24-7. We play the scriptures in my bedroom 24-7. You are never going to be burned out. I play scriptures. I listened to five chapters of the Bible yesterday on, 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 on my CD player in the truck. Hello? Pastor Marie's got Pastor Nancy on, Brother Hagen on, Ed Dufresne on, you got Pastor Rodney. Hello? Never burned out. You're not filling yourself up. You're not drinking from the river of God. And if you don't know how to drink, just stick around for a while. You'll learn here. I'll just tell you that right now. You'll learn. Amen. Yeah. Even, even if you're from Puerto Rico. I mean, Nicaragua. I'm sorry. Praise God. Amen. Gabe and Andrea. One's from Puerto Rico and one's from Honduras. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, meditating there and night. Remember I said to you this morning about meditating on God when you wake up in the morning? You walk into the shower and say, Lord, shower down on me. You know, as this shower is watering me right now, Father, I just love And you're spending time with the Lord. He'll direct your steps. Planted by Gazadine, deeply rooted by the brooks, bearing fruit in every season of his life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. But how different are the wicked? All they are is dust in the wind, driven away to destruction. The wicked will not endure the day of judgment, for God will not defend them. Nothing they do will succeed or endure long, for they have no part with those that walk in truth. But how different it is for the righteous. 
The Lord embraces their paths as they move forward while the way of the wicked leads only to doom. And we were talking, Pastor Todd and I were talking a little bit about how people in the world, they, they're not, he says, you're renewing your mind two ways. You either renew your mind to the word or you renew your mind to the world. You are renewing your mind. And the people of the world are renewing their mind to whatever. And they're, they're constantly in crisis. Even though they may not be crisis, they feel like they're in crisis all the time. And they, they're not thinking straight. They're not thinking right. I now understand that where it says in that day, you don't have to say anything, but the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Because they, their mind is so reprobate. You know what a reprobate mind is? A reprobate mind is, can no longer tell between what was right and wrong. And their minds would be so reprobate, they don't even understand right and wrong. They don't understand other thinking than the thinking that they know. Because they're renewing their mind, not to the word. They're renewing their mind to the world. And then when you answer, it will be such wisdom that will come out of your mouth and it will be effortless. Because you put the word of God in and you've been renewing your mind to the word. So isn't it interesting here in the book of Psalms, it talks about prospering. Because God wants to prosper you. I believe it's more witness to those in the world because that's what they're after. Two things, fame and fortune. And it's a better witness as believers that we have nice clothes, that we live in nice houses and we drive nice cars because God doesn't mind you having things as long as the things don't have you. Come on, hello, somebody. And we should be in government and we should be lawyers and doctors and things like that. We should be in the workforce being the light to the Dark world, can you say amen? amen? So God wants to do that. Now, isn't it interesting, and I'll finish with this. He did say how delightful it is for those that do God's ways. How delightful it is for those who do God's ways. So what does that mean? Well, tithes and offerings. The principle of the tithe goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. What do you mean it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? God said to Adam and Eve, of every fruit, of every tree in the garden, you can eat of. But the fruit of this one tree, you may not eat of it. So basically, the principle of the tithe is 90% of all the fruit you can eat of, but the 10% of this tree's fruit is mine. What tree was that? The tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not. So God gives 90 and there's 10 right there. So I have way before Levitical law and everything. Amen. So remember the verse where he said, how delightful are those who do God's ways of doing and being right. That's what righteousness means. Right standing with God and God's ways of doing and being right. All right, come on, everybody, stand to your feet. Let's give a warm Life Family Church welcome for Pastor Todd Delay. Thank you. Come on, lift your hands up and let's thank him tonight. Father, we bless you, honor you in this place. You are good and your mercy endures forever. We're grateful. We're thankful for all that you're doing in our lives, in this church. So we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we'll see and know all that you have for us tonight. We thank you for the riches of your glory as an inheritance to us. We thank you for power on high given to us. We thank you 
that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We thank you that you're strong inside of us. We thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We thank you, Lord, tonight that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you, Lord, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us, quickens our mortal bodies. We declare our bodies alive tonight in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that your revelation will come and fall fresh on us. We'll see and know all that you have for us. We believe you're going to move mightily tonight. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Be our teacher. Be our standby. Be our helper. Be our best friend tonight. We depend completely on you. We trust that you will move mightily in this place. Lord, we thank you that we're not here by accident. You knew all of us would be here tonight. So this is not wasted time because you created time. So from this moment on, we choose to listen. We choose to, to open up our hearts. We come with great anticipation, great expectation for you to move mightily in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Once you high-five somebody, tell them I'm glad you made it to church. High-five somebody, say, I'm glad you made it to church and you can be seated. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it. Go on, see? And then tell them, tell them, it looks like you need this. Amen. Tell them, say, it looks like you need this. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to be in church Sunday night? Shoo. There's something special about this group because you're not watching the Super Bowl. That means God's got something special for you. You know, I, the Cowboys aren't in the Super Bowl, so I wouldn't be watching much of it anyways. I, this year, I'd be, you know, watching more of the commercials than anything else. But praise the Lord. Y'all ready for the word tonight? Let's get right into it. Turn to John chapter 2, verse number 1. This is the first miracle of Jesus. And I was impressed by the Lord today. My wife was asking me earlier, what are you going to preach on? And I kind of said, I had a couple things just rolling around in my spirit. But um, as I got in Miss Marie's car tonight, the Lord told me exactly what to minister. And um, don't you love it when the Lord does that right before service? He tells you what to minister. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You could have told me that three or four days ago. And um, But, you know, for whatever reason, he, he's just shared with me. So I believe that God's got something for you tonight. And uh, what the Lord really just kind of put in my heart, he said, I want you to share with the people how to break free from spiritual mediocrity. How to break free from spiritual mediocrity. Let me define mediocrity to you tonight. It's defined as a state of mediocre, moderate, or low quality, or ordinary. So to be somebody that's mediocre or has mediocrity in your life, it's kind of like what we talked about this morning. It's somebody that's accepted their life and is okay with being ordinary. So to be ordinary is basically you are in a state of mediocrity if you want to be ordinary. I don't want to be ordinary. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know you're not ordinary. Mm-hmm. To experience increase from God, to experience things that God has for us, we must break free from just getting by. Break free from just having church, just to have church. And I asked this question, and Pastor Jack alluded to that, you know, why are we here? And we talked about that this morning. God's placed inside of us an extraordinary life. He didn't create us to be ordinary. And we went through scripture after scripture proving that. Well, I want to show you some things, and I want to kind of take it a little bit higher tonight. In John chapter 2, verse number 1, I'm going to read from the Passions Translation. 
Now on the third day there was a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Canaan, uh, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were all in, invited to the banquet, but with so many guests in attendance, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, They have no wine. Can't you do something about it? And Jesus replied, My dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Powerful. Verse number five. Mary then went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you, make sure you do it. And now there were six stone water pots standing Nearby, they were meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one held about 20 gallons or more. Jesus came to the servers and told them, fill the pots with water, notice this, right up to the very brim. Right up to the very brim. Verse number 8, then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of the ceremonies. And when they poured out their pitcher for the master of the ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. When he tasted the water that became wine, the master of the ceremonies was impressed, although he didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servers knew. He called the bridegroom over and said to him, every host serves the best wine first until everyone has a cup or two. Then he serves the wine of poor quality. But you, my friend, have reserved the most exquisite wine until now. This miracle in Canaan was the first of many extraordinary. Somebody say extraordinary. Extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory and his disciples believed in him. So let's talk about this situation. So we know Jesus and the disciples are hanging out at a party, and we know that the wine is starting to run out because there's so many people there. And um, my own interpretation of that doesn't mean that they were all getting drunk. They were just, there was a whole lot of people there. And let me, let me say this. The Bible was written in an Eastern mentality, not a Western mentality. So I've been to the Eastern cultures, I've been to Egypt, and those in Egypt, whenever they are drunk, it is socially unacceptable to be a drunk in, in Eastern cultures. And the reason why they drink wine in Eastern cultures is because the water is horrible there. That's one of the main reasons why. But they don't drink to get drunk. So you have to kind of put this in context here because Americans, us Western mentality, when we think of a party, Jesus went to the party and there was wine there that everybody was getting drunk. That wasn't the case. Amen. So you can't think like that. Don't think like that. So anyways, I believe that this is an example of us. How many know that we are vessels of the Holy Ghost? And it's our responsibility to get ourselves filled up. Amen. Now, I don't want to go too far, but let's go a little bit further here. Look at verse number 10. Then he called the bridegroom over and said to him, Every host serves his best wine first until everyone has a cup or two. Then he serves the wine of poor quality. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. Now, let me say this. What impressed the master of the feast was the fact that ordinarily you would bring the good first and then the worst. But this time... The good got better. The good got better. Let me say this. Your good that you're having right now, it'll get better. Come on, somebody. It'll get better. I said it'll get better. Look at your neighbor and say, it'll get better. It's good right now. Thank God it's good right now, but it's going to get better. 
Amen. It's going to get better. Look at, jump up to verse number seven. Well, what caused the good to get better? Verse seven says, then Jesus came to the servers and told them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. Right up to the very brim. They filled it to the brim. Ordinarily, they would just fill it up. But they, this time, Jesus said to fill it up to the very brim. So this tells me that for things to get better, you must stop looking at just getting by. They were just going to fill the pots to a certain level, but Jesus said, be sure you fill it up to the very brim, at the very top. So if you're going to see your life become better, start seeing things from an extraordinary point of view. Don't just do things just to get by. Can I get a better amen than that? Just don't do things just to get by. Just don't go to work and just work just to get done so you can go home and watch TV. Your job is more than just a paycheck. Your job is an opportunity for you to share Christ. It's an opportunity for you to be the light in this darkness. Look at your job as a call to share Jesus. Amen. It's more than just a paycheck. Hallelujah. If you begin to see your job that way, you'll wake up and you'll be actually excited about going to work because you get to be a light in the darkness instead of just trying to earn a paycheck. It's easier to, like I said this morning, it's easier to set the alarm a little bit earlier and be on time. Amen. Why? Because you're not there just to get a paycheck. You're there to, to be a witness. You're there to help others. You're there to be a blessing. I mean, when you have that kind of mentality, you start to love your job. And you begin to start loving people that you're working with, even though they're crazy people. And they just know how to push your buttons. It's okay if they push your buttons. You're going to love them anyways. But ordinary people, even worldly people, will just do a job to get a paycheck. But whenever we're called by God to live an extraordinary life, our jobs, what we do on a daily basis, is more than just trying to get things by. Do you understand that these servants probably fill these pots up a lot? But they heard from Jesus. I said they heard from Jesus. They heard the word made flesh and dwelt among him. And he said, I want you to do something that's not normal, not not ordinary. I want you to fill it to the brim. When you begin to start filling things to the brim, when you start seeing things from an extraordinary point of view, miracles start taking place. And one of the miracles that took place here is that it was good, but it got better. So this tells me if you want your life to become better, it starts with you seeing things from an extraordinary point of view, from a fill-up point of view instead of just getting by point of view. For us as, as pastors, for me as a pastor, I can't be just satisfied with the numbers that I'm having right now. Thank God for them. We've got great numbers. We've got a, a wonderful church and all that. But I don't want to be an ordinary church. I didn't get a whole lot of amens on that one. Just how many, we just don't want to be an ordinary church. How many want to be an ordinary church here? No, we don't want to be ordinary. Look at your neighbor again and say, I know you're not ordinary. So we're not going to be, we're not going to be an ordinary church. It's interesting how everybody kind of hesitated when I asked that question. This tells me that, you know, in society, in the world's way of thinking, it's okay to be ordinary. But in God's way of thinking, no, it's not. He created us to be extraordinary. So we should desire, we should pursue not being ordinary. We should pursue, have a desire to fill it to the brim, to be extraordinary.
And then we talked about this morning, we have Holy Ghost power on the inside of us to live an extraordinary life. Jesus took sin out of us, gave us, gave us his life so we could live an extraordinary life. Satan deceived mankind at the very beginning to take extraordinary life out of them and just make them ordinary. But Jesus came back and gave us his life and gave us back an extraordinary life. So to live an ordinary life is below what God called us to live. We're to live an extraordinary life. Fill it to the brim. Fill it to the brim. I said, fill it to the brim. Look at your neighbor and say, fill it to the brim. Find somebody and say, fill it to the brim. For things to get better, you must stop looking at just getting by. Notice, these servants... They were not just your mediocre servants. They weren't just your ordinary servants. They didn't question the authority that was given to them or the question. They didn't question the instruction that was given to them. They didn't even question the authority above them. They just did it. Mary told them to do whatever Jesus says to do. Jesus told them to fill it to the brim. It might not make sense to fill a stone pot with water, but they needed wine, so they filled it to the brim. Just know God places authority in your life not to rule and dominate you, but to help you get a blessing. And as we choose to submit to the authority that God places in our lives, it opens up the door for an extraordinary life. And so as we choose, that's why for me as a pastor, I have a pastor. I, I know enough that I can't do this by myself. I'm not going to be a lone ranger trying to be a pastor out there by myself and trying to think that I get all the revelation and nobody else does. I need to be around my pastor. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I went to a Sunday night service uh, by myself and was just a Christian. It was really cool just to be a Christian. And I got to, you know, be there with my pastor. And there was a guest speaker there. And just to hang out with my pastor was very, very healthy for me. Because when I get around him, um, his vision is so much bigger than mine. I, I feel like a wee little man compared to his vision. His vision is huge. And I need to be around somebody that I can submit myself to. Why? Because I know that if I'm submitted to that kind of authority that's going to challenge me to be extraordinary, I'll be extraordinary. But if I'm around ordinary people all the time, it's difficult to stay extraordinary when I'm around ordinary people all the time. So I want to be around extraordinary people. You've come to a church that's extraordinary. This church is not ordinary. Hang around here and you'll find out that you won't want to be ordinary anymore. So check this out. They didn't complain about having to do the extra work. I'll say this again. They didn't have to complain about doing the extra work. They filled it to the brim. They just didn't fill it up. Can you imagine some people like, man, I've been working all day long. All these people are coming in, and I don't know what we're going to do. They want more wine, and all the people keep coming in. And then this, this, this new Jesus, he's coming in and telling us to fill the water pots, and he wants us to fill it to the brim. I've been working hard all day long. We're just going to fill it up the best we can, and whatever happens, happens. I mean, that, that, if they had that mentality, that mediocre mentality, that ordinary mentality, there probably wouldn't have been a miracle take place. The good wouldn't have come, became better. But they went in with the mentality, if, if Mary says, do whatever Jesus says, we're going to do what Jesus says. And if he says, fill it to the brim, we're going to fill it to the brim. We're not going to complain about it. We're just going to do it. Ooh, praise the Lord. Yes, I did. I went all over that right there. Look at your name and say, stop complaining. Find somebody and say, stop complaining. 
Let me say this. Faith sees the cup full, not empty. There's enough negativity in the world around us. We, need, we don't need to exalt the negativity. We need to exalt the fact that God has authority and given us authority over all the negativity. I mean, we don't need to give Satan any more power by talking about how bad things are. Let's talk about what God's doing. Let's turn it on him and talk about how good things are. And how there's huge revivals taking place all over this country. And how the world is changing. And more and more Christianity is rising up on the, on the, on the pole of, of the most uh, fastest growing religion in the world now. Hallelujah. It's growing. There's supernatural things happening all over. Is there bad things happening? Absolutely. But faith sees the cup full, not empty. Extraordinary people recognize, sure, there's bad things happening. But God is bigger. God is stronger. God's going to get us. If God be for me, who could be against me? I'm not moved by all the negativity. I'm not moved by all the crime. I'm not moved by all the stuff going on. I know that it's there. I know things are happening. I'm going to do my part, but I'm not going to be negative about it. I'm going to keep it up on the, on the up end. I'm going to believe God through the whole thing. Amen. Can you imagine, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're about to be burned up. I mean, no, they didn't complain about that. I mean, that would have been a good reason to complain. Lord, I've been serving you. Lord, we've been doing all this coming. You're about to put, we're about to be put into a fire and become a potato chip. And just, just fry us. <laughs> but did you ever, you can go back to scriptures. Did they ever complain? Not once. And in the midst of the fire, come on, in the midst of the fire, guess who was with them? There was a fourth man in the fire. Jesus was in there. Hallelujah. They weren't looking at the fire. They found the fourth man in the fire. If you're going to be complaining about the possibility of you becoming a potato chip because you're all fried and all messed up, you're going to miss that Jesus is in the midst of your, your potato chip bag. <laughs> I just preach what the Lord tells me. See, me all are eating some Doritos today. Y'all didn't even see the fourth man in the Doritos bag. <laughs> come on somebody I mean, stop worrying about the fire Jesus is going to be there you see because you can sit there and focus on the negative thing oh we saw all these people and, all this, and then you're going to get burned up but if you can know that in the midst of the fire Jesus is going to be there hallelujah you're going to come out of there and not even smell like smoke not even know that there even was a fire there and it was hot. Don't you know they were probably chilling in the fire with some lemonade going, mm-hmm. This ain't too bad. What do you think, Jesus? Ah, this ain't nothing, y'all. Thank God you're saved because there'll be a lot of people that are going to experience this for eternity. But y'all don't have to. They didn't complain. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, quit complaining. Your miracle takes place right on the other side of you making the decision, I'm not just going to do things just to get by. I'm going to do extraordinary. I'm going to go above and beyond. And you go from doing good to being better. What made this miracle take place was the servants did what they were told to do, and they did it the best they could do. Hallelujah. When Pastor Jack says something or whenever you hear a word from the Lord, just know that that word from the Lord is to challenge you to do things better, not just to make you ordinary, not just to do something just to make you feel good, make you happy on the inside. No, it is a word from heaven, and that word from heaven is to help you go from good to better. 
Hallelujah. So don't look at a word from the Lord as just, oh, praise the Lord, word from the Lord. I got the ooey gooeys. I got the goosebumps, and, and I fall out in the power of God, and I get up, and I'm like, wow, that was awesome, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, no, that word from the Lord was more than all of that manifestation. That was good, but you got to take that word and go to work tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, and you got to apply that word to your life just like Jesus did when he told these servants to fill it to the brim. When you fill it to the brim, and you refuse just to get by, miracles start taking place. And then people around you that aren't even saved will go, man, you were good, but now you're so much better. What was it? You look around and you're like, man, you'll be getting raises, you'll be getting promotions, you'll be getting all these kind of different things. Why? Because you were good before. Thank God you're not an alcoholic, drug addict, and all that kind of thing. But you're going to work and you're faithful. And then because you want to do it better, because you know that God's placed an extraordinary life on the inside of you, you'll find that you'll get promotions. You'll find that you'll excel in life. Why? Because you're filling it to the brim. Come on, high five somebody say, fill it to the brim. Man, no more normal. No more normal. No more being ordinary. No more just trying to get things by. No, we're going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that God's ever expected in us. Because we believe that as we fill it up, God's going to pour it out more and more. Turn to Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 29. I like this scripture. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? Or I can say like this, who refused to be ordinary? who refuses to live a mediocre life, who's excelling. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. There's a blessing that comes when you choose to excel, choose to be extraordinary. I like what the New Living Translation says this, verse 29. Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Mm. Mm. Thank God for ordinary people, but God's called us, called you and me to live an extraordinary life. And, and, and because of that, we're going to keep excelling. Keep, I mean, God will keep promoting us and keep promoting us. Why? Not for us to, sure, God wants us to have things. Praise God for things. Sure, you know, the finances will come in and the cars and the house. And all. God wants you to have that. But the reason why he's going to promote you is to put you into higher places. It's because there's people where you're at now and in your future that needs Jesus. We were in um, Barcelona, Spain several years ago. And... Um, we were actually on the beach there uh, where Christopher Columbus came in after discovering America or was in America and came back. And, and uh, we actually walked by the church where he walked into the church and talked to the queen and said we, we discovered America and all that. And in this coast of Barcelona, Spain, the yachts that were there is a very high dollar, very expensive place where people were at. And the yachts there, I mean, I have a bass boat. You could probably put about 15, 20 bass boats on the deck of one of those yachts. I mean, this thing is amazing. These things were beautiful. And this thought came into my mind as I was just walking along. I was like, Lord, I don't know if they're saved or not, but if they're not saved, how can somebody get them saved? It's not going to be somebody walking up um, to that yacht, knocking on the door on the yacht and say, hey, here's a track. Would you like to be saved? Not going to happen. Usually what's going to happen is somebody is as wealthy as they are or more wealthy get in their circles and gets them saved. And as I was thinking about it, as the Lord put that in my heart, I was like, next. <laughs> next. Amy, 
Okay, got really quiet right then. Do you realize that God can put you before kings? That's what the Bible just said. God can put you before very important people because you choose to excel in life. Those people need Jesus just as much as the poor homeless people do. A church is doing good at reaching homeless people. Amen. As a whole, the church as a whole is doing good. Could we do better? Absolutely, we could do better. In every area, we could do better. But what is the church doing to reach, to reach the rich and wealthy people that need Jesus? In fact, it's the rich, it's the rich and wealthy people that are making the laws that are doing crazy things in the country. We, we need to get, oh, I'm going to start preaching now. We need to get some Christians full of the Holy Ghost that know how to obtain godly wealth, get up in those offices, get up in those places of influence, and change the law so we can see our country come back to God. But we're, we, we are so ordinary thinking that they're, they're too far out there. We can't get out there because we're so down. They're, they're beating us up and they're no, 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 no. Quit being a victim and start living like a victor. I want to talk about five differences between ordinary and extraordinary Christians. Are y'all ready for this? Man, if you can't say amen on some of these, say, oh, me. Number one, ordinary Christians are being choked by the cares of this world. Extraordinary Christians live carefree. Let me say that again. Ordinary Christians are being choked by the cares of this world. Extraordinary Christians live carefree. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. There are so many Christians that are coming to churches across America and across the world that hear the word, but the cares of the world choke out the word. That means this. What do you mean the cares of the world? Being stressed, being, being uh, anxious, being depressed, all those kind of things choke out the word. What happens is we hear a good message on Sunday. We come to even, we, 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 we believe the Spirit of God's moving in our lives. We actually come to a Sunday night service, and God does amazing things. But tomorrow morning, Satan knows this. We should know this. When we go to work, there's going to there's gonna be a chokehold that's going to try to come on you. Because word was put inside of you, just know that the devil's going to try to choke the word out of you. Speak the word. Rejoice over the word. Refuse to allow the chokehold to come on you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So ordinary people are choked up by the word, by the world. They're, they're being, they're being, they're allowing the cares of this world to choke up. But extraordinary people live a carefree life. How many want to live a carefree life? Let me say this. This is how it happens for me. This is what I'm learning. And I'm always learning about this. There's always opportunities to have cares come on you. But First Peter chapter 5, verse number 7 says, Cast all your care on the Lord because he cares for you. So there's a casting when you feel that care come on you. you we were not designed to carry cares. Nobody wakes up in the morning and takes a pill that makes you more anxious. I can't wake up and be stressed out today, so I'm going to take a stressed out pill today to make me more stressed. Why? Because God didn't create human beings to carry stress. It's, it's, it's not even in our nature as human beings. That's why you watch a, a commercial on TV from a pharmaceutical company, and they say you need to take this, and then you could have this, 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 and this, and this, and this after you take this one pill. You could throw up later. You could, you, you could this, and you, you have diarrhea and all this other kind of thing. I'm like, I ain't taking that pill. 
It would make me more sick. I mean, but that's, that's the mentality. They have to do that, cover themselves so they don't get sued and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy with the world we live in. But this tells me, too, that if I'm allowing the cares of this world into my life, then really I'm just an ordinary Christian. I refuse to be ordinary. I'm going to live a carefree life. It's like I said this morning, the Lord told me, be more deliberate and having fun. Amen. Be more deliberate at having fun. Be more deliberate at being happy. Now, I've noticed something just driving through the streets of Flint City, riding along with you guys. Man, traffic here is crazy, y'all. Now, I'm from Seminole. 6,000 people. Anywhere I go, it's going to be crazy because there's just not a lot of traffic. But right now, we're in the middle of an oil boom, and traffic is getting crazy in Seminole. Um, Oil businesses are popping. I mean, it's just blowing up. They're calling it the modern-day Wild West now, where we're coming from. And, uh, I mean, it's crazy right now. And uh, where we fly out in Midland, Odessa, that's where the main boom, oil boom, is taking place in the Texas Texas area. And Texas is, um, I think right now, we're the largest producing state in America right now. And um, Alaska is right underneath us. And so, I mean, I always say this, when the gas prices go up, the tide goes up. And pastors like that. Okay, calm down. That was not, okay, I enjoy that. But when the oil prices go up, I mean, it's, it, it's economy goes up. Well, all that's crazy stuff going on. But what happens with that is traffic. So even in the midst of traffic, I have to remain happy. I was watching on the news the other day, this dude riding on top of a car because he was cut off. Y'all saw that? I don't know if you saw that. He literally got mad at this guy for cutting him off. He gets out of the car at a stoplight, and he jumps on his hood because the guy wouldn't open the door, and they, the, the light turns green, and the guy's still on the hood. And they take off. He's going like 70 miles an hour. This dude's still yelling at him, holding on to the windshield wipers. I mean, you're... you're I'm like, you're like, dude, what is, and he's still mad. He don't even realize you're going 70 miles an hour. You could be flat as a pancake, brother. And then so, so both of them got thrown in, both of them got in trouble because one guy, he was, um, he was, he actually he was charged with like, almost like trying to kill this guy because it was like, I don't know what the legal terminology is. Dr. Jack could probably help me, but his vehicle was actually like a weapon that could have killed him. But the other guy was trying to pick a fight with this guy. So that was against the law too. I'm like, Dude, be happy. Solve the problem. So many people wouldn't be laughing at your crazy self getting on some hold. You should see this guy. He's holding on the windshield wipers, yelling at the guy. He's 70 miles an hour. <laughs> That's Americans today. All we have to do is learn that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Be more deliberate at being happy. Don't let the cares of the world come on you. Don't be an ordinary Christian that's always stressed out, all down and frowny and upset all the time. Don't be like that. Be extraordinary. When you come to church, put a smile on your face. When you wake up in the morning, put a smile on your face. When you wake up and you go into the bathroom and you look in the mirror, don't say, oh, Lord, what happened to me? Just say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Say, Jesus, the life of God's on the inside of me. I don't see it right now, but I know it's in there somewhere. <laughs> I know it's in there. <laughs> and, and the more you confess in the word, the more alive you become. But you can sit there and look in the mirror and have, oh, I got a bad hair day today. My hair doing all kinds of weird things today. And because it's a bad hair day, my whole, my whole day's bad. Oh, my goodness. Get over your hair. Y'all, listen. Oh, my goodness. I live in West Texas, and the wind blows all the time. We've given up on the bad hair days. You're going to have one. 
And, and women come to our church and all things going everywhere. And they just know how to calm it down and just be cool. It's all right. We love you anyways. <laughs> come on. We love you. It don't matter. We know you got some bad hair going on. Just fix it. It's okay. And guys, too. I love those guys that had the comb overs. I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's good stuff. And, and I mean, they're coming to church, and they're trying to get their comb over going over. <laughs> and I'm like, and they're laughing about it. It's all right. You know I mean? You know, we all got our issues about the way we look. But don't let it mess with you. Amen. Hey, man, God created you. I mean, look in the mirror and say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. The hair's doing weird things today, but I know on the inside uh, of me, God created me in his image, in his likeness, and this is not going to move me. You, so you got to point yourself in the mirror and say, you don't move me. Them droopy things and all the wrinkles and all that stuff, that don't move me. I got the life of God on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Somebody need to hear that tonight. That's not in my notes. So tomorrow morning you wake up, you look at yourself in the mirror and say, nah, uh I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm having a good day today. <laughs> and put your hair up in a bun and go. Here's another one. Number two. So number one, ordinary Christians are, being, are, are those that are being choked out by the cares of the world. Extraordinary Christians live carefree. Number two, ordinary Christians will ask for forgiveness over the same sin over and over again. Extraordinary Christians will repent from sin and never sin that same sin again. Oh, a holy hush at this Presbyterian church. Think about it. Now, all of us have sinned. Listen, can we get real in this place? All of us have faced sin in our lives. But an ordinary Christian will repent or, or will ask for forgiveness of the same sin over and over again. An extraordinary Christian will say, I recognize that as sin, and I repent and turn from it. And how do you turn from sin? You don't go to the same place that caused that sin. You, you, you change your schedule. You change different things of life so you don't find yourself in that same temptation over and over again. Now, if it's your spouse, if it's your wife or your husband that's causing you to sin, don't divorce them. Amen. They're just a bunch of heathens. No, don't, don't divorce them. No, do things for them. How many know that we, when, we're to bless those that, that curse us and those kind of things? If you have a rough relationship and you're going through a rough time, don't bail out. Just, just go in. An extraordinary life will say, you know what? I recognize our relationship's not good right now, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start doing things for her. I'm going to start doing things for him. Repent. Make sure you turn from it. And then start, start. Let me help some men out here tonight. Wash the dishes for your wife. And the wife said, Amen. Amen. I mean, it's going to be all right. And if you're concerned about somebody watching, watching you, your friends watching you wash dishes, turn the lights off or whatever and have a little flashlight and, you know, turn a little flashlight on your head and we'll don't do this so nobody watches you. It's all right. Men, it's okay to wash your wife's dishes. Okay, men, you get, that's a good place, men, to say amen. Hallelujah. Why is this a good place? I mean, it's, it's little things like that. Why? Because if you're going to find yourself in a cycle that you keep asking for forgiveness and keep asking for forgiveness, it's just an ordinary life. But you have to get to a place to where I'm not going to ask for forgiveness for the same thing over and over again. I'm going to repent and turn from it. But then you, once you repent, you have to change some things. Hallelujah. If it seems like you're asking your wife or your husband the same, I'm asking for forgiveness for the same thing over and over again, change it. Come on, somebody, change it. Do something different. 
wow, fresh revelation from heaven. It's that simple. And do something productive. Let me say this too. Why am I on a marriage conference already? But somebody needs to hear this. Take your wife out on a date. Hallelujah. Wow, a date? We're married. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, you do. You don't stop dating her. Amen. Treat her like the queen that she is. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not finished yet. I'm going to talk to you ladies here in a second. I'm just talking to the men right now because the ladies, they're coming up. Men, treat, treat them like a queen, and they'll start showing you respect of a king. You start treating them like a queen, they'll respect you as their king. But if you're just treating them like property or just whatever it is, I mean, no, they're going to respect you the same way you treat them. It's, it's, it's just, it is what it is. That's what it is. So for us as, as husbands, if, we, if we're always finding ourselves or wives, you're doing the same thing. You're always asking for forgiveness. Do something different. Now, let me talk to the wives here tonight. If your man is not respecting you, I mean, no, love covers a multitude of sin. And you still walk in love with them regardless of how bad they are. Because the greatest weapon that you can use against anything in this life is love. Choose to walk in love. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. Your flesh is not going to want to pick up those smelly shoes every night and put them up in the closet. But gradually, your husband will recognize that you're serving him, that you're loving him, and he'll get convicted by the Holy Ghost and he'll change. Can I get an amen? I know that because my wife, when me and my wife first got married, we were like goats, buttonheads all the time, y'all. Hallelujah. She, she's strong-willed. I'm strong-willed. And when you have two strong-willed people coming together, there will be a lot of <laughs> butting heads going on. I know nobody's here ever experienced that before. Nah, not in this place. But we and I remember we were having the hardest time. And I grew up with with the whole mentality of of you know uh, my dad and mom never said divorce. They never thought about divorce. Divorce is sin and all those. So we that in my mind divorce was not going to happen. That's not a opportunity. But rapture was good. Amen. <laughs> hey, murder's not good. Anything that's not good. But I could pray for the rapture. I mean, that's how I was like, literally, our marriage was that bad. It's like, Lord, I can't divorce her. I'm not going to kill her. Rapture me. This is the first year we got married. I mean, this is a long time ago. And y'all laughing because y'all can relate. And, but Daphne was on the other side. Both of her parents was married and divorced three times. And um, so it was difficult for her. She was just raised in that, so she would just, just leave. And I remember telling her one time, there's no ball and chain on your ankle. Bye. That's how bad it got. Now, y'all, y'all, don't even, no, 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 don't even go there with me. No, no. if there was a video in your house and we showed them on those TVs, there wouldn't be no, ooh, y'all, y'all be like, so don't, don't even. But one thing that we learned, me and Miss Stephanie, we learned, and she, she's the one that really, I mean, she's the one who got the revelation of this. She said she finally got to a place where she stopped trying to change me, and she worked on herself. And as she was working on herself, as she was becoming the best wife she could be, it challenged me because I don't like to lose. And she would one-up on me all the time. I'm like, no, I'm head of this household. I'm going to show you I can do better to you than you can do better to me. 
And next thing you know, we're doing good things to each other all the time. And then we were sitting down at a dinner table one time, and we couldn't remember the last time we had an argument. Praise the Lord. We got to where we got past the whole, forgive me for this, forgive me for this, I'll do better next time, I'll do better. All that, all that was gone. It was like we couldn't remember the last time we had an argument. Do we have disagreements? Absolutely. She's always right, so it's all good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's <laughs> not true. But we, we always we have our disagreements at times. We're human beings. But we've learned that even in those disagreements, God's going to be in the middle of it. We're going to walk in love with one another, and we're going to get through this. Because love covers a multitude of sin. So ordinary Christians will ask for forgiveness for the same thing over and over again. Extraordinary Christians will repent from sin and never sin that same sin again. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Hallelujah. Number three. Somebody say number three. Extraordinary Christians want forgiveness just to get out of trouble. Extraordinary Christians seek repentance so they can be set free. John chapter 8, verse number 36 says, As therefore the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. So forgiveness is more than just, uh, you know, just trying to get out of trouble. Forgiveness is like, I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to do everything I can, including the power of the Holy Ghost helping me and turning from this, and we're going to get better. We're going to do things better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number four, ordinary Christians pray to get something from God extraordinary Christians pray to get closer to God. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Ordinary Christians pray to get something from God. Extraordinary Christians pray to get closer to God. Psalms chapter 27, verse number 4. One thing that I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to acquire in his temple. Psalms 42, verse number 1, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so, my, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. So for us as believers, we're not just always praying to get something from God. We're praying so we can get closer to God. I love fellowshipping with Him. I want to get to where the majority of my time that I spend with Him is more than, God, would you do this? God, can you do this? God, can you take this away? God, can you add this? I mean, it's more like, I just want to be with you. And like I said this morning when I was on my boat and I was fishing, I was just, I didn't have any intention to catch a seven and a half pound bass. I was just on there just fellowshipping with him. I was in the front with the boat. He was in the back of the boat. We were fishing together, just having a good buddy-buddy talk. And then you guys know the rest of the story, seven and a half pound bass, glory to God. Right on the other side of me just wanting to fellowship with him, just wanting to be with him. As I was talking with him on the boat, me and the Holy Spirit, we were just talking, and really, it wasn't me asking anything. I was just like, show me something new about you. Just show me something about you. you you're infinite. What is it, what it, what is it about you that, that I need to learn more about you? He loves that. He loves that. Where we're, not always, you know, we're not always looking at God as a sugar daddy. You know what I mean? Sugar daddy. We just need this and we need this and we go on our merry way until something bad happens. We go back to our sugar daddy and get more. You know, you know he, he wants to tell you more about him. And I just had the best conversations with him, just, hang, just hanging out with him. Just like I'm talking to you, we were talking to each other like that. That's what he desires. That's being extraordinary. Ordinary Christians spend the bulk of their time just asking God for something. 
or God, I need you to do this. God, you need to do this. You need to change. You need. To. I mean, God just wants to show you Him, who He is. Hallelujah. Extraordinary Christians will try to put church in their schedule. Extraordinary. Did I say extraordinary? I said ordinary Christians will try to put church in their schedule. Extraordinary Christians adjust their schedule to be in church. And I, I'm just. And you guys hear this from your pastor a lot, and I 100% agree with it. You need to be in church, and, and, and I fully believe in that. And there is a, a deception that's coming into the body of Christ that you don't have to be faithful to church to be a Christian. I disagree with that. And the reason why I disagree with that is because Jesus went to church. It was his custom to go to church. And if we're going to be Christians and followers of Christ, we got to be like Jesus and go to church. Now, I know you're here. You're here on Sunday night. You're not watching the Super Bowl. But just know this. In the future, Satan's going to try to tempt you not to come to church. Now, let me say this also. It's important that you bring people to church. How many of you have friends? Okay, those that don't have friends, you can be my friend. It, it, how, how many here have friends? Just raise your hand if you've got friends. Now, how many have friends that don't go to church? Raise your hand. It was, okay, there you go. There you go. Your purpose in life is to get them closer to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me help you here tonight. Um, we live, again, like I said, in the oil field. And if you know much about oil field workers, they are hardcore. They are mean. They're tough. And um, they work crazy amounts of hours. Uh, substance abuse is high there because they have to use that drug to keep them going, working, you know, 18-hour shifts and all kinds of – it's, it's insane. Um, there's 20-year-old guys, 18 to 20, 24-year-old guys that are going out of high school making six figures on an oil rig. But they have no life. They just work. They're just a piece of meat on that rig. And if they get hurt, the, um, the oil field guys, the companies pay for it, and then they put somebody else in there. It's just it's that tough out there. Everybody packs. Everybody's got go. I mean, it is the modern-day Wild West. It's crazy. And one of the guys that um, is in our church, he graduated from Bible school, came back to Seminole. Um, his family's in the oil field. He works in the oil field now. And he said, my purpose for coming back in the oil field is simply this, to get people saved. He said, I, you know, I graduated from Bible school, and, and sure, I could go into full-time ministry and all of that, and, and that's good, and I, I felt the tug that. But I really felt the Lord said, you need to come back to Seminole, to your hometown, and work in the oil field and just to get guys saved. Isn't that awesome? I mean, really think about it for a moment. Life is more than just trying to get a paycheck. Every one of us have people that we come in contact on a daily basis that needs Jesus and needs to be in church. You're thinking, well, how do I witness? How do I talk to them? Number one, if you already have a relationship with them, just encourage them. Hey, what you doing on Sunday? Oh, well, I need to sleep in. I've been working so hard. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. Why don't you come to this? And then I'll take you out to lunch. You can take a nap. Amen. I mean, it'll take them. If, if finances is a problem, man, take them to your house. Fix them something. You're going to eat anyways after church. Throw another hamburger on the grill. Fresh revelation from heaven. This is how you minister to people. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to throw another hot dog in the microwave. Amen. It's just say, hey, you know what? We, we really don't eat a lot because, you know, it's kind of tight right now, but God's delivering us out of it. Why don't you come to the house and we'll throw a couple more hot dogs on the grill. And y'all come on over. Amen. And then, you know what? Let me see. I know this because I did this myself. When I worked in the secular field before I was a pastor, I worked with in the orthotics and prosthetics field. And um, y'all need to, yeah. and, and, and the guy I worked with, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was suffering from um, a, 
substance abuse. He would come to work still messed up. He would close the bars, and he was my boss, kind of. He's my supervisor. And it was so hard to work for somebody that's strung out all the time because they're emotionally up and down. And one minute I was doing a good job. The next minute I was getting cussed out for the very thing the day before I did good at. And for a believer, it's hard to work underneath that. But the Lord said, don't you quit. You're going to get him saved. You're going to, you're going to minister to him one day. And it was hard, y'all, because where I come from, if, you, if you're cussing me out, we go behind the bus barn. Y'all know what I mean by that? We take care of business outside the, behind the bus barn. Y'all know what I mean by that? How many know what I mean by that? Good. All right, good. I'm in the right place. It's like, all right, we're going to take care of business. You're gonna, yeah, we're going to duke it up. And if I'm standing up last, then don't ever talk to me like that again. If I'm not standing up, we're going to keep going until you're sitting down. I mean, that's just the way I was racing. So it was so hard. My flesh was so hard. I would go in the bathroom after he cussed me out, and, and I would just pray in the Holy Ghost because I was there to witness to him. There was a couple of times that my boss would have me go pick him up in his apartment and bring him to work. And the whole time I pick him up, he would be because he's still kind of hanging over and everything. And I remember the times that I got the chance to minister to him. Just one-on-one, because I didn't, like, preach condemnation to him. I just loved on him, and I let my light shine. I didn't ever tell him he was going to go to hell. I never told him that, but I, lo- I loved on him all the time. You know the thing he did for me? He knew I was a Christian, so he would do everything in his power to get me to sin. He would. It was just kind of his personality. He'd do everything. He would, he would cuss me out, or then he would put some, uh, you know, I'm from the 80s rock scene, all the 80s stuff. Uh, he would put secular rock and roll on it where we go. You remember this song? Where was you at when you heard this song for the first time? And he's trying to get me to think about my partying days. And then I, I mean, as soon as he said that, I thought would come to my, I know, it's like, ooh, no, stop. I don't want to, I, that's the old man. And I would tell him, I said, oh, that's the old man. I don't live like that anymore. Sure, I could tell you exact place and what I was doing. It wasn't, it wasn't nice what I was doing. But that's not the, I don't want to live like that anymore. My life was a mess. He goes, well, I, I'm, just seeing, I'm just asking. But day after day, gradually after, I was wearing him down. I was wearing him down. In fact, it came to a place, <laughs> he loved to jump out of airplanes and parachute and, and do all this, and bungee jump and all that. And I told him this, I, I stepped up to his challenge one time, and I said, all right, dude, I'll, I will parachute out of a plane if you go to church with me. He goes, would you do that? I was like, absolutely. I said, I'll bungee jump, tie those rubber bands on my ankles. You bet, well, I will do it, and we'll jump off, the, we'll do whatever. But I guarantee you, you'll be on the front row on Sunday morning. And he went, ooh. I said, no, you're not going to sit on the back row when you come to church with me. We're on the front row where the pastor's looking at you. <laughs> if I'm going to jump out of an airplane, you're on the front row, brother. And, but then the conviction of God started coming on him. Because I didn't step down from the challenge. I accepted the challenge. I, I, guys, you are called by God to be the light in the darkness. There's people that God's called you to. Talk to them, minister to them, love on them. Do they push your buttons? Absolutely. Are they heathen? Yes, absolutely. They're supposed to act that way. Don't let them influence you. You influence them. Get them in this church. Come on, somebody, get them in this church. God sent you there to minister to them. Get them in this church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody need to hear that tonight. So how many got friends here? <laughs> Raise your hand if you got friends. Amen. Now think about it. Do you have friends that need to be in church? 
Absolutely. Get them here. Come on, somebody. Get them here. Hallelujah. We're learning even in our church to have more activities outside of the four walls of the church to get people acclimated to come to church. And in society today, there's such a bad taste about church. They're hypocrites. They, all they want is your money and all that kind of stuff. And, and almost rightly so because there's some bad things that's happened over the years in the thing we call church. So what we've done, we've done different things to get people acclimated to come into church on a Sunday morning. We have home groups. We have these different things. And I know your church does the same thing. There's different things that you can do to get people acclimated to get into these four walls. It's just a matter if you just do it. Let your neighbor say, just do it. Turn to John chapter 10, verse number 10. Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Are you thankful for the life of God? The thief comes to steal, except to, ki- to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus come to give us life and life more abundantly. Jesus has come to give us an abundant life. Jesus has come to give us this abundant life, not an average life, not a, a life that's just mediocre, but above average life. I want to give you some scriptures tonight. You can write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things will have an abundance for every good work. That's extraordinary. That's above the norm. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all. That's extraordinary. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's not an ordinary God. He doesn't want us to live an ordinary life. In Luke chapter 18, verse 29, you can write this down. And he said to them, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Whenever you're pursuing God, God is going to bless you. As you live this extraordinary life, the blessing's right on the other side of living an extraordinary life extraordinary life. Psalms chapter 36, verse number seven. You can write this down. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasure. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed. Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us uh, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. We have no reason to accept ordinary. We should always live an extraordinary life because God is an extraordinary God. Hallelujah. I say God is an extraordinary God. Now, I'm going to close with this tonight, and we're going to do some awesome things here in a moment. In Acts chapter 4, turn there. Acts chapter 4, verse number 8. The Holy Spirit has empowered us to be extraordinary. Acts chapter 4, verse number 8. Y'all still with me tonight? Hallelujah. I came all this way, so I'm going to take up my time. Amen. (laughs) Check this out. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, 
If we this day are judged for the good deed done, this is the, the guy that was outside the church, came walking and leaping and praising God. You know, they said, silver and gold have a number such as I have given unto thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Okay, so here we are. Judge for the good deed that is done to this helpless man by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. Man, they're preaching. Peter's preaching there. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. They were ordinary men with an extraordinary power. There were ordinary men given by the Holy Ghost to do extraordinary things. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing that men, or seeing the, the man who had been healed standing by them, they could say nothing against it. Let me say this, the more you get around Jesus, the more you realize that there's extraordinary life in you. You might seem ordinary, but there's extraordinary power that comes out of you. Hallelujah. They were uneducated men. They were untrained men. But the power of God was still present. Extraordinary life was still inside of them. They just yielded to it and, and, and knew, everybody around them knew that they were with Jesus. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And just as Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, just as those servants were, were led by Jesus to fill their pots full, then miracles started taking place. Hallelujah. How many of you need some miracles tonight? Well, let's just do this. Let's get filled up tonight. I said, let's just get filled up tonight. If I can get the piano going here. I want you to just kind of dim the lights. We're going to do something here. And uh, we're just going to start worshiping God. I love to worship God. And um, we're going to get filled up. How many need some just refilling of the Holy Ghost? Let me say this about being filled with the Holy Ghost. When you fill to the brim, extraordinary things start happening. How many like to see some extraordinary things take place? Well, why don't you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for tonight. We're going to spend some time getting filled up. Hallelujah. So, Father, I thank you for your power. I thank you that you're going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Father, I thank you that you've given us extraordinary life. So we thank you, Lord, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.